Look at Acts chapter 19 with me. I meant to study from verse 20 to verse 41. That's what, that was my desire. My desire was to take this whole um, idea of Demetrius. Demetrius is this man who is a silversmith there in the city of Ephesus. He is a silversmith who is making um, uh, idols unto the shrine of Artemis. And he is making, as we're going to read in a moment, much money. He is financially secure over what he does. And all of a sudden, Paul comes to town, and all of a sudden, Paul and the other disciples start leading people within that community to Jesus Christ, and things are changing right before this man's eyes. And he doesn't like it. And I came across, while I was reading, a verse that literally stopped me dead in my tracks. I don't know if when you read the Bible this happens to you at all, but it it just stops me. I would really encourage you, if you are reading your Bible and you're just reading it through, and, and a little while later you really can't remember a lot of what you read, I would encourage you to maybe just read a verse so that you can remember what you have just read. Or read a Read a section of scripture and get a place where you're quiet and you can concentrate on what you're reading to where it touches you. Watch what happened to me. Uh, I want you to to read this and now you're going to, and you'll see why I could go no further than verses 20 and 21. I want you to read about this man, verse 24 of Acts chapter 19, called Demetrius. This is what stopped me dead in my tracks and in a moment, I think you'll see why I couldn't go beyond verse 21. Watch. I was just reading, minding my own own business. It says, A certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Artemis, was bringing no little business to the craftsmen. Now, I thought, that's an interesting way. I stopped there. I thought, well, an interesting way of Luke writing that he's making a lot of money. No little business. In other words, this guy's doing really well. Verse 25 hit me like a rock right between my eyes. He gathered together with the workmen of similar trades, and he said, Man, you know that our prosperity depends upon this business. And I stopped there. And I thought for a moment. And I thought hard. Where is my prosperity coming from he has a statement that he will live with for eternity that was written within the word of god that his prosperity came from what he did his business and i thought to myself how sad how utterly sad no wonder this man as we're going to see next week starts a riot. He starts a riot because everything in his life is tied up in his business, which is his prosperity. And so he starts a riot so as to stop Paul and the disciples from further preaching about Jesus because Paul, well, listen to what Paul was teaching. He he even says, he even says, look, when I got through kind of mustering around in my mind. I don't even know if mustering around in my mind is a sentence. 
or, or means anything. When I started, when I, when I got through going through all of this in my mind, where is my prosperity? What am I building my life upon? And I can say to you with all sincerity, I came to the conclusion it wasn't money, it isn't money, it isn't fame. It is to try to teach the Word of God. My prosperity comes from honoring my Father who is in heaven. He says in verse 26, listen to this guy. You see and you hear that not only in Ephesus, but also in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a considerable number of people saying that gods made with hands are no gods at all. That's what he's mad about. He's mad about the fact that Paul is turning people away from his business. He makes these shrines that are to the, 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 the temple of Artemis, and without that sale of that business, his prosperity is over with. And so as we're going to see, not today. I meant to see it today. We're going to see next week that he starts a riot to try to stop Paul. Now, this is why I stopped dead in my tracks. I went back to where I originally wanted to start reading. It was in verse 20 to verse 41. That's the whole chapter. That was a huge bite. Felt I could do it. And the Lord says, no, you can't do that. At least in my spirit, the Lord said, no, John, you can't do that. There's other things that need to be mentioned. And when I came back again to verse 20 and read, So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. After these things were finished, Paul purposed in the spirit to go to Jerusalem after he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, saying, After I have been there, I must go also, and see Rome. Now, I stopped there. Paul didn't stop only in Rome. He went further from there. Paul's, Paul had wanderlust within him. He was, he, was a, he was an evangelist. He was a missionary. He couldn't stop in one place. He couldn't plant a church um, like, like I would be very content in doing planning a church and staying there for the rest of his life, that was, Paul would just, it would drive Paul nuts. It would drive me nuts to go to another place to try to start another work. I love you. I love here. I don't want to go anywhere else. I love your faces. I love seeing you. I love hugging you. I wouldn't know what I'd do without you, Wanda. I wouldn't know what I'd do without you, Mary Lou. I don't know what I'd do without your hugs. I look forward to them. I don't know what that means about me, but I look forward. I also look forward to you men hugging me. I do, I do, I do with all my heart. The other day after the funeral, I did the funeral. We did a funeral for Sam. I'm going to be all over the place today. I can sense it. <laughs> Last night, I did a baby dedication. I told the people that's probably one of my greatest joys is to stand up before a family, and you've just seen this family, beautiful husband, beautiful wife, beautiful child, 12 weeks old, dedicated that family to that baby. And then I asked the people in the congregation, if, if you ever get an opportunity to impact this young girl's life, 
would it be your willing would you be willing to do it and everybody said amen and and you you had to see the smile on the parents faces and i was sitting right there when i was doing this because they were taking pictures of them and i wanted to get out of the picture get this big nose out of there you know because if you if you saw the four of us you'd know one of them don't belong <laughs> i mean they were so good looking the three of them and i thought there's something wrong with this picture, and it ain't them. So I went and sat down, and I ended up sitting down right next to his, his father, the grandfather of that baby. And when, I, when we, he and I heard that amen, he said after that amen from the whole congregation, he went, amen. And it was like my granddaughter's in good place. And I said to the people I love doing I love doing that, and I love doing weddings. Weddings is really the best because you, you, I've never seen a, a woman look more beautiful than a bride. I mean, just just the brides are just most beautiful. And so I love doing that because it's such a joyous time. And But I also love doing funerals when they're like the ones we did Friday for Sam Rhodes. It was a beautiful time here in this sanctuary. As a matter of fact, after the funeral, a, a man walked up to, I think, either Bill or, or uh, Mike or someone and, and accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and his Savior because of what he heard at that funeral of the people honoring Sam. It was, it was really special. And, um, and so I said that those are the things that I just love to do here at this church. It's just... It's just something that, that just I just don't want to be without. I love being a part of what we're doing here. And so for, for me to try to move on or, or dream about moving on to somewhere else is, is just, I can't even imagine it. I don't know how Paul did it, but he did it. And so when we read that Paul went from, from where he went to Rome, he didn't stop just in Rome, if that's where I was going in this rabbit trail. I don't even remember now. But I just was, I guess what I was trying to say is just the joy we had of, of doing the funeral for, for Sam. But that, I don't remember why I started off on this rabbit trail. Please forgive me. I'm going to get back on my notes. But, <laughs> but the point of my story is that basically we have such a blessing here at this church. But there are different ministries for different people. For Paul to go all over this world and to, to go from Macedonia to Achaia, to go back to Jerusalem, to go to Rome, and not end up in Rome, but go elsewhere. That was God's plan for him. I would, I would venture a guess that nobody had to say, Paul, why do you do this? On the contrary, Paul would say, why do you not do it? I remember once I was in Mexico and took a bunch of baseball players there. We were going to do a clinic for the, the young people in Mexico. And uh, took some really established major league stars. And we had a, a wonderful time of just doing clinics. But the purpose of our time there was to share Christ with the people in the, in the villages that we went to. It was amazing. But the moment I was there, I recognized, whew, do I want to go back? I can't wait to go home. I mean, there was a stench. It was, um, it was hard to eat, hard to sleep. Accommodations were really brutal. I mean, that's how spoiled I am. I mean, I'm spoiled rotten. And I, I couldn't wait. 
the gentleman that was helping us put this together was a missionary there in, in Mexico. I couldn't wait to ask him, how do you do this every day? How do you live here day, by, day in and day out? And we went to breakfast together one morning, and before I asked him the question, he says, how do you deal with these players day in and day out? He said, they're so spoiled. <laughs> I couldn't ask him what I was going to ask him. I was going to tell him I was spoiled too. He asked me that before I could get my, my question out of my mouth. When I did, I finally asked him, how do you handle this every day? He says, are you kidding? He says, I wouldn't live anywhere else in the world. I says, the stench. He says, what smell? He says, it's wonderful. There you go. There's God's, there's God's peace upon each other's life. I couldn't wait to run home to California, and he, could, he didn't want to go anywhere else but Mexico. That's the way God does it. When you truly find your place and your niche, stay there, serve the Lord. So when I got to chapters uh, 19, verse 20 and 21, I couldn't go any further, and I'll tell you why. Verse 21 is an amazing verse, and so is verse 20. It needs to be looked at before we go on and, and to see why a man named Demetrius who doesn't know the Lord says that his prosperity is in his business, not in his Lord, and why the prosperity of Paul is in his Savior. For Paul to say, for me to live as Christ and to die is just gain. That's the beauty of life when you really know the Lord. Pray with me, please, and let me try and get back on track. I want to ask your forgiveness if I, I just rabbit trailed you to death right there. I'm sorry. Lord, please um, rein me back in. Um, get me back to where you want me to be. Um, let me not go off on these trails right now. Open up our eyes that we might behold wonderful things from your law. Let us see why you had us stay, at least in my opinion, why you had us stay in just these two verses so that we might see what it is that you've called us as a church to become. And so, Father, move me aside. Let me not lose my place. Let me just do what I've studied diligently this week to do, and no more, no less, unless you move me. But, Father, I pray that you'll not move me to a place where I go out there and start saying something and forget exactly where I was going. Let me stay close to your heart. And, Lord, thank you for our young people, our students. Thank you for the leadership of the students. Thank you for those people that teach the Word of God to our young people and, and will not compromise. Thank you for, for them. Thank you for uh, this church. And the people who diligently serve. Um, thank you for the women that are putting together this uh, luncheon. May it be as successful as they dream. And may people come to, con to know you and to walk with you and to be as, as encouraged as the young people confessed in this video that we saw that they would want to more walk with Christ. They would more never feel more loved and all of those wonderful things that was mentioned. Bless this time that we have together. Father, thank you for the love that you have given me for these people. I know it comes from you. The only reason I love is because you first loved me. But boy, do I love these people. And I pray you'll bless us, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Verse 20, 
only solidifies what I've been trying to say over and over again. If you'll look with me, there's two places. There's Acts chapter 6 and Acts chapter 12. They coincide with what is said here in verse 20. In verse 20, it simply says, The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord, folks. Not some philosophy, not some church, not some stuff. Just the word of the Lord was growing mightily and it was prevailing. Now that's going to be important for next week because it prevails even in the spite of Satan attacking it. And attack it he will. Just as he attacked it then, so he will attack the word of God today. But in Acts chapter 6 and verse 7, we learn again that the word of God kept on spreading. The number of disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith because of what? The church? Because of nice people? No, because of the word of the Lord. It was prevailing. It was growing. It was spreading. Chapter 12, verse 24. I'll let you get there. I'm sorry. I almost jumped on it way too soon. Acts chapter 12, verse 24. It's just a short verse. That's why I almost jumped ahead of you on it. But I'll wait till I hear the pages stop. It says, But the word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. If you and I, and I know you do, you wouldn't be here if not by now. You wouldn't have come this many times. Since we want our church to be founded upon the Word of God, since that is the truth of us as a people, God will continue to grow it. He will spread the message that we are giving because it is the message that He has ordained for us to give. By the grace of God, you do not have a pastor that is so smart that he gets away from this. That we stay close to this, the Word of God. So that we would honor this, the Bibles that we hold, and not a, pe a preacher. So that we would honor this, the Bibles that we hold, and not a church or a denomination. That is our fail-safe here at this church. It is the most wonderful thing that God has ever given to you and to me. And that is to be able to be a church that teaches the Bible line upon line. It is getting to be less and less popular across the United States. And so back in Acts chapter 19 and in verse 20, the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. But when that happens... When that takes place, just as it does here, Satan will not stand still. He wants to disrupt the Word of God. He wants to disrupt the true church because it is the true church that brings together people that really catch a vision of what does God want to do in and through our lives. How does He want to move you and me? Satan wanted to stop the Lord and His church then, and he wants to do it today. And yet, as we said last week in, in, in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, Jesus Christ makes this promise. He said to Peter, I say that you're Peter. In other words, you're Petrus. You're a small rock. And upon this rock, meaning this big, large rock, meaning himself, the cornerstone, I will, he says, build my church upon his name, the name of Jesus Christ, not Peter. 
upon this, this rock, my being the cornerstone, I'll build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And so the one thing that we know for sure, even though that Satan wants to come in and try to disrupt, he will not ultimately stop what God will do in and through your lives and my lives. It's going to take place. The magic, the miracles, the, the things that he has out in front of you, Wes. Not in front of you, Rob. Not in front of you, Ed. I wish I was young enough to watch. No telling. No telling. We can see that all the victories that the Word of God allows does not stop Satan, and it won't stop Satan. So you need to stay strong. You need to recognize that there will come difficulties. And he will often use unbelievers, as it does here in this chapter 19, this guy named Demetrius. His prosperity was tied in in this business that he had. And there are people. There are people that want to... Oops, I almost started to go on a rabbit trail. There are people who want to who want to uh, not allow a church to grow or not allow you to have enough parking place because it will hinder their business. And they don't understand the joys that they could have. The man that allowed us to have this building and owns the building next door, he saw it. He caught the vision. He bought this building and he bought that building next door for his, the security of his wife and their children for they might have something to, to lean on in their later years. And when, he was, when it was suggested to him that he could build a far greater, um, I can't think of the words, but a far greater uh, heritage for himself and his children by building a, and planting a church, he said, you're right. And he allowed us to have this building. He allowed us to use the parking in this building and next door, his building, so that we would have enough parking places. He allowed us to have the parking next door on Saturdays and Sundays before he rented out his business next door, not knowing whether they needed parking on Saturday and Sunday. It is written in the, in the bylaws of this place that they cannot use the parking lots on Saturdays and Sundays. It must be us. He did that. He caught it. His prosperity wasn't in these buildings. His prosperity was in serving the Lord. And so this guy Demetrius wants to stop what God is doing. And he gathered together all of these people to start a riot, to stop Paul. And I say to you, whenever the church is boldly and faithfully proclaiming the word of God, there will be. We will face opposition, satanic opposition. It will happen. You don't need to turn to all these places now. There's Jerusalem, there's Antioch, there's Lystra, there's Philippi, there's Thessalonica, there's Athens, and there's Corinth. Each one of those places we have previously studied, as you can see, there's, I'm sorry, you guys, I, I, I didn't tell you I was going to do this, and so please forgive me. But as you see in Acts chapter 4, in Acts chapter 13, in Acts chapter 14, 16, 17, and 18, each place is where Paul and or Peter or Barnabas or one of them went. 
And each place they reached opposition as soon as they got there. In chapter 4, as soon as Peter started to preach on the day of Pentecost, he received opposition from the organized religious Jewish leaders. They tried to stop him. They threw him in jail. When they went to Antioch, in Acts chapter 13, the opposition stemmed from prejudice and envy. When the, when the religious leaders saw how many people were coming when Paul was preaching in Antioch, they became jealous of Paul and tried to stop him by throwing him in jail. In Lystra, in chapter 14, there was paganism. They were, they were ignorant over, over that they thought that Paul and Barnabas were Zeus and Hermes. And they tried to honor them as small gods. And that's when, remember, Paul and, and Barnabas ripped open their coats and ran out and said, No, wait, wait, wait. We're just men like you. Same nature as you. We're just telling you about the living God. In Philippi, in chapter 16, there was a reaction to the victory they had over a demonic person. Thessalonica, in chapter 17, there, there was an unruly mob that came that, that was urged on by jealous religious leaders again. In Athens, they were opposed by worldly philosophies. In Corinth, just as in Jerusalem, there was uh, organized religion. This time they wanted to take them to a Roman court. And so back to chapter 19, we turn to a place that I want to just take the next 10 minutes on. And that is verse 21. It's a throwaway unless you take a look at it hard. It's just a throwaway verse. Unless, unless you cross-reference what took place in verse 21. Now, I will admit to you, I thank God for commentaries that I read. They found this. I didn't. Godly men who before me studied the Bible found this place, and I jumped all over it once I saw it. It's almost a throwaway verse in verse 21. It says, Now after these things were finished, Paul just purposed, purposed in his spirit to go to Jerusalem after he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. I don't know much about geography, so therefore this meant nothing to me until I studied. In essence, Jerusalem would be like here. Ephesus would be here. Macedonia and Achaia was over here. If Paul was going to go to Jerusalem, why in the world did he first go there to go there. Why didn't he just go straight to Jerusalem? Anyways, he is just coming from Macedonia and Achaia. Why is he going back there? Paul has a definite plan in mind, and Luke presents it by writing to us verse 21, and to see what took place, you need to study the Bible word upon word, line after line, you need to find out where is there another place in Scripture that will tell us why did Paul go to Macedonia and Achaia before he went back to Jerusalem. Turn with me, please. Hold your place here and look at Romans chapter 15. And we see that Paul had a plan. 
His plan was definite. His plan was precise. His plan was to bring unity to the body of Christ. His plan was to bring Jew and Gentile together. And look how he uses it. Look what he does. And read these words in Romans chapter 15, verse 25, 26, and 27 with awe. Now we know, Paul says, Now I am going to Jerusalem serving the saints. Same journey he is about to take. But he says in verse 26, For Macedonia and Achaia, predominantly, folks, Gentile churches that Paul just planted. These churches were churches that Paul planted just a while ago that are just starting to flourish. For Macedonia and Achaia, verse 26, have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Now do you see why Paul wanted to first go to Macedonia and Achaia before he went to Jerusalem? Why he went way out of his way to go to Macedonia and Achaia to go back to Jerusalem, he wanted to take some money to help support the church in Jerusalem that was having trouble. A church in Jerusalem was financially dying. And so Paul goes to Macedonia and Achaia and says, you Gentile believers can have the privilege of helping a church that's having some problems and they need your financial help. Make a love offering, and I will take that to the church in Jerusalem. Look at verse 27. Yes, Paul writes, they were pleased, pleased, they were pleased to do so. To do what? To give financial help to Jerusalem. Why? This is why I say, read this in awe. Don't just read it. Digest it. It says the churches in Macedonia and Achaia were indebted. They were indebted. They were indebted to the church in Jerusalem. The Gentiles were indebted to the Jews in Jerusalem. And what was their debt? Look at the rest of verse 27. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual things... They are indebted. Yes, they are indebted to what? They are indebted to minister to them also in material things. Read that. Contemplate that. And understand that the blessings that you and I receive spiritually, the spiritual blessings that we receive, have the same blessings of giving material blessings to help the church survive. It is our privilege. It is our honor. It is our indebtedness to help the church flourish. Or, if you're back, if you if you flip back to chapter 19 and verse 25, or you can be a person that finds your prosperity depending upon your business instead of your gifts. 
You see, both receiving and giving of spiritual blessings, whether you receive a spiritual blessing or you have the privilege of giving a person a spiritual blessing, they are as equal to giving and receiving material blessings. Both are blessings. And you and I, when we receive spiritual things, we are indebted to return in kind if we can, other spiritual blessings, or if there is a need, then material blessings. It's part of the family of God. It's where we find our prosperity lies. You see, there has and there always will be a financial responsibility when spiritual food has been given out. The church in Jerusalem was in need of financial assistance And to meet that need that Paul knew of in Jerusalem, he went back to Macedonia, back to Achaia, and he he gave them the privilege of returning that indebtedness that they owed to the church in Jerusalem for their spiritual lives. And therefore, Paul brought unity to the body of Christ. That is verse 21 in a nutshell. That is not just a throwaway verse. It is a verse that you and I need to mull upon, knowing why did Paul go here, to, from, from here did he go here to go way over there. He did it so that he could receive a blessing for the people in Jerusalem. And in so doing, Paul brought unity. He brought unity from the Gentiles to the Jews and the Jews to the Gentiles. They were all in this together, just as you and I are in this together. Now let's close with this verse. Turn to 1 Corinthians. You can hold your place, whatever you want to do here for next week, but turn. you don't have to come back to Acts anymore. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to close with this. Paul wrote these words in 1 Corinthians. You, of course, know this. He says in verse 18 of chapter 12, God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. You're here because God brought you here. I'm here. God brought me here. Todd, thank God. You're here. God brought you here. Your sweet wife is here. God brought her here. It's not, a, it's not an accident we're here. God has placed us in this body just as He desired. What you have here is unique. Roland, God bless you. You are so unique to me. I cannot even express to you how much I love you. can't. I try. can't. You're like Ed to me. Growing like that. I've known Ed a little longer, so I love him a little more. <laughs> it's just the way it is. It says in verse 19, if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. Verse 21 says, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't have any need of you. Or the head to the feet, I don't have any need for you. We all have need for one another. 
On the contrary, he says in verse 22, it is much truer that the members of the body which seems to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which seem which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more honor. And our unseemly members come to have more abundant seemliness. In other words, there is no one of no value here. Each of us are of great importance. And the less you think of yourself, the more important you are. This is what I wanted to read to you. Verse 25, there should be no division in the body. The members should have the same care for one another. And so Paul writes in verse 26, if one of us suffers, we all suffer. If one of us is honored, we all rejoice. That's true Christendom. That's catching the blessings that God wants to pour out upon this church. If one of us is honored, we all rejoice. If one of us suffer, we all gather together and help with that person. And when we understand that what we have has been given to us by God, then we can't get all puffy about what we have. That's why I get overblown by seeing that we honor a senior pastor more than we would a tech guy or a parking guy or an usher. How in God's name can you do that? Don't do it. Don't do it. Because the person that stands there is gifted as God just as much as or just as less as the other person. We're just in this together. And so if we are honored here and someone flippantly says, boy, you've done a great job at that church, Pastor John, I say, okay, thank you. But you want to know in my spirit, I say, you have no clue how little I've done. You should see what Jenny does. She makes me look like a piker. She does so much, so much more. And so in the weeks to come, I'm going to have the privilege of sharing with you, uh, I, think, I think what I'm going to share with you is going to revolutionize, revolutionize this church, your life, and other churches, if it works, are going to come to us and say, how did you do it? We need to, in about three years, this is way down the road, pay for this building and maybe buy the next building if we're going to grow. We're going to need the money. Most churches would have a campaign. Let's, let's excite the people and grow money. We have decided biblically that's not the way it's done. We have decided biblically we teach each other how to financially give on a weekly basis or a monthly basis or however you want to do it. And we tithe correctly unto the Lord. We're going to teach you about what that means. And we're not going to do a campaign to raise money for that building or this building. We'll leave it to the Lord. But we are going to do biblically what is right in your life and in my life about what is the true principle of, of honoring the Lord with your prosperity. Let's not be like Demetrius. 
we'll take time to teach. We're going to take time to fast and pray. We believe this is God's way of raising the money. We contemplated getting a, a professional group come in, print out all the stuff, get you all excited, and give. We looked at each other and we said, it's not biblical. It's not biblical. Let's not put ourselves in debt. Let's be right before the Lord. Let's teach each other how to give. If you, just this church, not just this service, not, I'm still two minutes, not just this, uh, this is a rabbit trail, <laughs> can't you tell? If, if just this, this, this group, if we just tied, we'd have more than enough money to buy that building. We have enough money here. The problem is you're sitting on it. <laughs> you won't let it go. <laughs> what we want to teach you are the blessings that come from giving unto the Lord. What I'm going to remind you is not my words, but God's. You and I are indebted to him. We're indebted to him. Father, please teach us well. Make the vision that we've, we see from your hand to us be real. May we not step ahead of you, Lord, please. May we not fall behind you, Lord, please. May we walk in lockstep with you, Father, please. Let me catch the vision. Let us catch the vision of what you want to do with this place, the Rock Community Church. I see so much great things, Father, but that's my eyes. Let us see through yours, we pray. Bless these people. Bless this church. God bless Don. Let him rest well, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I love you all more than I could ever put into words. Have a great, great day. Thank you for letting me go on my rabbit trails. <laughs>